What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bomb City Locker Room Talk. You're listening to Locker Room Hype, Episode 8. As always, I'm James Fairchild. I'm Aaron Pena. Welcome to the hype tonight. We're going to talk some minor league baseball to begin. Minor league baseball, man. Wow. It's just right now, it's, man, you know, I know they're trying, but it's not looking too high right now, man. Especially now that they, they supposedly cut their pay again. And it's like, well, shit, exactly. what do you do now? But you know what? On the bright side, a minor league baseball club, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, are now Airbnb-ing their entire baseball stadium for $1,500 a night. Isn't that the best bachelor party backup plan ever? Well, you know, man, you, I mean, if I was a bachelor, no, I mean, yeah, I am a bachelor, but, you know, and I love baseball, and I oh, yeah, I'm at a baseball stadium. I'm going to love it, man. I'm going to love the hell out of it. But here's the thing. I can only take 10 people with me. Up to 10. Up to 10. Okay. So, that sucks. How can I play a big game if I can only take 10 people? Hey, but on the bright side, you have access to the batting cages, the field itself, the entire night. Imagine going out in the middle of the night, at midnight, playing a game with your buddies, maybe having a home run derby, putting the pitching machine out there. Okay. So, now you got my idea. That's the thing. Home run derby is different. That's a fun. It's a lot of fun. I've done it before. Okay. Did it at a baseball field. I took two out. It's pretty good. Pretty good day for me. But but like you said, yes. I mean, you get the whole field. Just, I mean, you kind of, I mean, I think in Pensacola, it should be a pretty cool stadium, you know, since it's in Florida. Exactly. And it was a three-time recipient of the Southern League Ballpark of the Year Award and the reigning best view in AA. So, hey. That baseball stadium would be awesome to have your buddies over, have a group of friends, maybe have a bachelor party. Who knows? You know, and also, I bet at the same time, you know, I bet they would have some players there, too, to kind of hang out. You know, that'd be pretty cool. You could probably get a game going if the players, if the players showed up. That'd be pretty sweet. So, And getting into the clubhouse, that'd be cool. Well, yeah. Actually, shoot, man, I'd be like, uh, I need the announcer because we're going to run out <laughs> these damn bases. And uh, I want fireworks when I hit a home run, please. And hell, it, it's got a ping pong table, padded chairs, two really? large tables, two bathrooms with showers. They're connected directly to the clubhouse. You have everything you need. I need about 100 hot dogs. That's the thing. I'm going to need about 100 hot dogs because nothing beats. What kind of hot dogs, though? Um, the, the Franks, I don't know. Just Ballpark. Ballpark, yeah. Because the thing about it, nothing beats a good ballpark hot dog. Mm. And they'll have full access. Whoever decides to rent this stadium on Airbnb, they'll have the full access to the Blue Wahoo Stadium batting tunnel, allowing them to hit just like the players do. Bats, balls, and helmets will be provided. That's sweet. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, as a kid, you actually get out there in the stadium and kind of do that uh, routine, you know, to three and two count, you know, two outs, bottom of the ninth. You know, bases. Relive your fantasy. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, my fantasy strike out. (laughs) Shit. That just happened. Bill Buckner. (laughs) He's just going to let the ball go right between your legs. (laughs) Yeah, no joke, right? But the coolest thing, I think, is just being able to play under the lights and having the opportunity to have that whole facility to yourself. There's there's endless amount of activities you could do. (laughs) Practice karate. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just like stepbrothers in their bedroom. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. Would yeah. you spend the money, Aaron, 
on an opportunity to have that have stadium to. in Pensacola, Florida to yourself. Yeah. I mean, you have to. If I had that money, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you can, can't go wrong with the experience, you know. You can you can always say, hey man, we slept, or we stayed at the freaking baseball stadium last night, you know. And be like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, we know we did. So I mean, let's imagine the Saw Poodle Stadium having access Shoot, to that man, thing. You know, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, you know, I mean, especially here in the Amarillo. I mean, cold night, everything like that. And then at the same time, it's a pretty sweet ballpark too. They've done a great job, so be cool. Oh yeah, definitely. but hey, hey, but think about this: go to the Frisco. What would you do if you went to Frisco? Oh, don't they have a pool in Wrightville? Yeah, they have a lazy river out there in Wrightville. F- wow. Think about that. I would never, never leave that pool. No. Like, especially they, in Frisco, you know. Do they have a hot tub? No, nah, I think it's just a, the, But just think the about pool. Just hey. think about the experience. Like, you know, you just lay around, you know, lay around all freaking night. You know, you never have to get out. And when you, know? you think about it, $1,500 is not that steep of a price if you're going to use it all night long and you have a bunch of friends pitch in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not that big of a, if you got that kind of money, yeah. It's not a big deal. And then, like I said, you got to do that cool experience. I mean, that's $150 a person, so yeah. it's not too bad. No, absolutely not. So, All right, we're going to transition uh, over to college football. No, 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 no. Come on. I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> it hurts my feelings. It hurts Knowing that college football, we might we might not be existing. But here's the thing, and James got the good scoop on somebody in the Big Twelve. All right, the Iowa State Cyclones. They're unlikely to sell single game football tickets this fall, which is surprising. So the athletic director Jamie Poland announced Tuesday in a message to fans on Iowa State's website because we expect these are quote this is a quote from him to reach the 50% capacity limitation through season ticket sales. We do not anticipate selling single game tickets unless the capacity limits are raised. So basically there's going to be 22,000 season tickets that have been renewed for the 2020 season. And that's scheduled to start September 5th against South Dakota. And because of the strict social distancing guidelines following the coronavirus pandemic, the 60,500 seat stadium will only seat 30,000 people. Now, I can only imagine after Iowa State making this move, what OU is going to do, Tech, Well, here's the question. How, how is Iowa State ahead of the Big 12 right now? I mean, we Texas, OU, all these, these other Big 12 schools have a bigger fan base than Iowa State. I have heard. But how do they come up with right. this plan, which I respect. I mean, you know, the season ticket holders, hey. What did I tell you earlier? Big money from the donors. Exactly. Mm, that's why. And, you know, they are, I guess it makes sense to give them the first priority on the seats, but it does suck for everybody else that just buys single-game tickets and just wants to go a random Saturday to I go mean, watch you know, the team. Those, those poor people got to sit here watching the TV today. <laughs> no. I mean, it's just, I mean, I can understand. I mean, it. it's just one of those things. I mean, like they said, I mean, even if they have a game, they need those people, those kind of boosters there to make up the difference, just to break maybe even, maybe. Right. I mean, they do spend more than the average consumer as far as the ticket sales. They they buy in bulk, and they deserve their opportunity to have their but, seat for the season. But what's one of the biggest things for those boosters? What do they really want to do when they get to those games? 
They want to tailgate. Oh, yeah, man. They're going to spend big money on big parking lot spaces and everything like that. And that's why, I mean, I kind of I kind of see Iowa State's part, you know. I mean, I hate saying it. You don't want a bunch of freaking 18-year-old college boys and girls running around stupid. Right. All these people are throwing out big money. Exactly. How do you think it's going to affect the tailgate scene at these games? Like, you're, you're a tech alum. What do you think is oh. going to happen down there in Lubbock? I mean, really, I mean, you can you can only you can only kind of make things go the way that you want them to go. I mean, you can only like it's going to be crazy. I mean, it's going to still be the same. I probably. I mean, now am I going to sit here and say people are going to go tailgate to tailgate? There might be some. You know, there's going to be a couple that are going to still go to those. Hey, I'll be at your tailgate. Or, hey, I'll be at, you know. I think it's going to be a little bit more conservative, but they're still going to go. Right, I, I still think for the majority, kids are going to go. College students are going to go support their university, their team. There's no denying that. But I feel like there's going to be more policing on where you're at, who, you, but, how close you are next to each other, and there's going to be certain zone sections where you're required to be. And if you're not, they're going to make you leave. But if I was a cop too, you got to control the controllables. I mean, is it? I mean. And I know this, I, I, this is just my opinion. If I was a cop and I said, hey, man, you need to stay six feet away. If it's, he's going to argue and argue, well, I'm not going to waste my time. Right. <laughs> There's no reason to tell somebody, like, hey, man, just be careful. You know, you, got, you just got to kind of give them that choice. You know, and I mean, that's all you really can do. Just make sure that everything's still safe. You know, it's, you know, everybody knows what happens at tailgates. You know, people get a little crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the responsibility. Just making sure that everything stays you know, pretty calm. You know, keeping people away from other people's heart. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's just difficult. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to keep people away from other people. They're going to try to do their best, but I don't think it's going to happen. Especially, you know, like down in Norman, on the northeast side of the stadium, on the north side of the stadium, there are activities going on before the game. There's the cheerleaders out there, the bands out there, people are tailgating in the parking lots, and everybody's close to one another. Now, other places around campus a little bit more spread out but in those areas it's just really it's really close quarters and i'm interested to see what they're going to do in norman because you know last season i had season tickets and i went to every game so it was easy to see the different locations of where people are tailgating and how they interacted with one another and it was just a mass amount of people i mean there are you know 60 to seventy thousand people outside the stadium before the game yeah it's going to be a, a hectic I, don't, I, I hate to be the person that has to try to arrange the the sectioning off of all of that because it's going to be really, really, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to do. Hey, man, I put that blue tape there. Stay there. Don't move. Because, you know, oh, man, when people go to tape. college football games, they drink. They get wild. Yeah. They have fun. And when they get when they get that way, they don't care. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, like I said, at that point, that's what I'm saying. At that point, you just got to be, go with your judgment Control the controllables and go from there. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. So, I mean, that's, like I said, it's a big risk, but, you know, at the same time. As long as they're going to let people in the stadiums, yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's going to suck because it's going to, they're going to be people that are left out who aren't going to be able to, you know, have season tickets and get in. But it is what it is. Um, as long as there's fans in the stands, then it's, the atmosphere is still going to be somewhat – relatable to how it traditionally is although it's not going to be as full to capacity as it usually is at least 
fans are going to be there. And that's what I'm excited about. At least we're planning, we're making the proper, you know, safety steps to have a season. And if we have a season, I'm at peace. If we don't have a season, I'm going to go mad. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I mean, yeah. I mean, but, you know, here's the thing. You know, I know that people want to be at the game, but personally, me, I like to be at home, sitting in my chair, drinking about 30 beers. Oh, yeah. If I can get there. You know, and, and that, then I could just yeah. take a nap and then do it again. That's often the best. <laughs> you know, to, right? It, it just, you know, that's just, I mean, that's just my opinion right there. But, I mean, but whenever like, my you know, Sooners go travel so, down to Lubbock, you're going to go. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of Red Raiders sometimes beat them in Lubbock. Even, if, sometimes even Lubbock. if we can't get into the stadium, I still would like to tailgate and experience a little bit of the atmosphere because every year since 2003, I've went down to Lubbock. And maybe this time I can shave my double T, <laughs> double T back on my chest hair. There you go. Man, that was awesome. If, you know, if you're listening. When did you do that? Oh, back in college, my freshman oh. year. I got a picture. You know, if you want to see that, I'll, you know. So what, holl- back in like 2005? Yeah, hold on me, $10. Oh, <laughs> it's there. Just don't you know? Don't tell my my, my college roommates. They could, they try to spread it. Did you it do out. it the day of, or did you? Do it the uh, day I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that because I, I, I can see if you did it the day before no. that stuff growing in. Um, you won't even. Make, it's just a freaking patch of. No, I hair. had it. It's right there, double T. Man, it was it was a good time. Well, I'm looking forward to going down there. You know, you know what's crazy? This, you know, I know that we're talking about these crazy moments. Man, how crazy was it this on Sunday to see Manning, Brady, Phil, and Tiger get after it on that golf course? Oh, it was it was a breath of fresh air to see some type of sporting event on TV. We've seen NASCAR, we've seen Korean baseball. Yeah, I mean, I've only can see his number of cars go left. That's all I can do. Right, but but golf you is know. something that we all have experienced. We've all played. Now, me, I'm not a huge golfer. I'll be honest. No, and I've not. only I've only played you know a dozen times or so. But for the record, Tom Brady. Let's be honest. He's not an eight handicap, like he said. Yeah, he looks. I think. I think, I think, I, I think they're just, they were nervous, man. I mean, you're on a wide All right. world show. I mean, because everybody, I know a lot of people did it. You know, for the. I mean, because of course it went for a great meeting. They earned about twenty million dollars. Yes, they did for the research and everything like that. I mean, that's amazing. To, you know, out of one event, you know, and I bet they're still getting you know more money out of it, which is good. You know, but you know what? The funniest thing is that I felt like these four golfers, you know, two golfers, two, they just relaxed and they talked a lot of crap to each other. They did, and it was they freaking did. hilarious. Manning man. is hilarious, dude. Manning, if y'all have not seen the Saturday Night Live with Peyton Manning, you got to. Man, that dude is straight up funny. He is, because even when he talks, I think he's being sarcastic every time. Yeah, he led the way in yeah. jokes. He, he, you know, hassled everybody else. Like, he was calling an audible at the line of scrimmage, like he used to do back when he was one of the greatest of all time, playing playing under center for the Colts and the and the Broncos. You know, and what's funny, too, is whenever they were getting warmed up, man, these, these guys were, they were warming up in, like, a heavy rain. They were getting drenched. Heavy rain, trying to get warmed up, you know. But out of anybody that introduced them, introduced them. Take a guess who introduced them. Who was it? Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> out of any, out of anybody they could have picked to introduce them, they picked Samuel, one of the greatest, Mofo 
Jackson. <laughs> one of the greatest voices of all time. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. I mean, I mean, but I was kind of laughing. I was like, man, that is, well, you know, he is, he is sponsored by Capital One. So, of course, he had to get that oh, you yeah. know, introduction. And then you had Chuck on there, too. Can't, you can't, you got to respect old Charles Barkley on the golf course. And, you know, when you receive, if you ever get a chance to watch that Charles Barkley swing a golf club, he is the please do. most terrible golfer I've ever seen. So, and, you know, Tom Brady. Going back to him, he looked horrific on the front nine. He shanked and hooked so many shots. He did not look impressive with his driver, well, no. even with the closer, shorter tees. It, did you did you see about Brady though? You, uh, did you know Brady did not use a driver? He didn't even have a driver in his golf uh, golf bag. Really? No. He hit everything pretty much with the three wood. Yeah, he tried. Well, he did. He tried using his three wood, but he completely was ineffective with it. Like he was not very consistent. Yeah. He had some success, however, driving with his iron with hitting somewhat down the fairway, but I thought it was hilarious when, like you said, Barkley, he is so funny, man. Oh, yeah. He started to run his mouth to Brady, and Charles is terrible, like we said before. Yeah. He's probably the worst golfer known to man. But the trash talk fueled Brady, and he eventually hit a nice shot after knocking it around the seventh, which was uh, a par five, I believe. That, wasn't was, pretty, it? that was a pretty sweet shot, yeah. Yeah, he held, I mean, he he, got, he held the approach for birdie, and then what happened right after that? Uh, for him hitting that, uh, Brooks uh, Copa, the golfer, he he donated $100,000 after he hit that shot. I mean. And he split his pants. Yeah, he split his pants, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that was pretty cool, though. You know, other golfers were jumping in. You know, yes, they weren't golfing necessarily, but they were donating whatever they can, you know. Especially under pressure, that shot was huge. But yeah. But you can't, like I said, you feel, when you feel the fire with Tom Brady, when you tell him he can't do something, he's going to do it. Did or, you, yeah, well, he's going to get close to it. Did you see he retweeted a photo of himself bending over to pick up the ball and giving fans a look at the split in his pants? Oh, yeah. He, mean, he put on Twitter, the pants wanted in on social distancing, I guess. <laughs> you know, but you know what was the cool thing about the first nine holes? They, there was always something going on different on the hole. You know, they changed, they changed it up before they got to the back nine. Um, I believe it was on hole number five. Yep, I got it. Hole number five, there was the one club challenge. They could only pick just one club. Uh-huh. That's it. That's all they could use for right, their drive, that. their approach, everything. Even putting. They couldn't they couldn't use anything else but that one one club. And uh man, that was pretty good. That was a pretty cool little uh I guess trick or a challenge. A challenge, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, I hell, I would probably just take out my putter. And be like, all right, I'm going to drive this damn thing. Exactly. As as I'm going to I'm going to knock it down because the fairway and roll that some bitch as far as I can. Yeah, just, there's, there's no way I could hit it with anything else, you know, because it's just not not worth it. But you know, I mean, Tiger Woods though. Let's focus on how he did. For the first time in 98 days, we got to see Tiger Woods in action. And the last time we saw him, he didn't look very good. Oh no, I mean. I mean, I, I hate saying it, you know, a little age is kind of catching up to him, but once he gets going, man, he gets going. And the cool thing about the whole golf experience, if you sat there and you listen to Tiger and Phil giving advice to them, like if you're a golfer, that's the best advice you can get to sit there and listen to it. And you know, Tiger looks really good. I think he's got another major in him. He can win one or two more. Oh, I feel man. like the way he looks, the way he's swinging the clubs. I mean, Tiger, Tiger's going to go for a long time and he, He's, I mean, even, I don't even think he'll ever join like the, the, whatever, the senior PGA. He's going to be in the PGA 
Right. And then he'll retire, it, like no matter what. Woods did not miss a fairway. His swing looked smooth and in rhythm. Mind you, was in difficult, rainy conditions. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was raining, stop, raining, stop. And then eventually towards the end, man, the wind picked up a lot, too. And, you know, you know, here's the thing. You know, what's funny is when you hear Phil, Phil Mickelson will, like, break down every freaking shot. Like, here's the wind. This is what the grass is oh, doing. Yeah. He's super it, intelligent. Oh, man, he is so freaking intelligent. It's yeah. fun to listen to. When you hear we hear his expertise, I mean, he's a freaking goat. One of those golfers that is synonymous with the game of golf. When you hear his name, you know of greatness. He's one of those, just like Tiger. And it was really cool to see them paired up with two of the greatest of all time on the gridiron. And, you know, with, you know, with Phil, here's the thing. Phil looked real good. He looked like he lost some weight, man. And shoot, man, he was hitting the, he was dropping, he was crushing balls, crushing them. And you know, I don't know if you've ever seen Phil, you know, just on a normal golf tour. His, I mean, his plan is not just to sit there and kind of just hit the ball. Right. He's going to crush the damn ball. And that's what I like about Phil so much, man. Yeah, he, he hasn't made it official, but he's expected to play in the first event back next month at the Charles Schwab Championship. So it's going to be fun to see him get it back out there. <sighs> you know what was pretty cool, though? One of my favorite holes was the number 16, part three. Here's the thing. It was 212 yards. That's a pretty damn long par three, okay? And here's the thing. Milkelson and Brady, they hit their tees right inside the numbers. Like, And here's the thing right inside the numbers. Russell Wilson, okay? Everybody knows Russell Wilson, Seattle. Yes, sir. Seattle Seahawks quarterback. For every ball that was inside 12 feet, he pledged $100,000 for Mills. That's admirable. That's cool. I mean, cool. yeah. And here's the thing. Nicholson Brady, man, they hit it right there. Then Manny comes along. Manny hit it just feet away, like right there. Right, that was nice. Boom. I mean, I was like, man, man, Manny, I know what Manny's been doing since he's retired. He's doing a lot of golf. And then, you know, what sucks is Woods comes up. I'm like, oh, man, I hope Woods gets it even closer. Uh, he hit it. I mean, it was about 25, 25 feet away. But, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, the person that he is, He's going to go ahead and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pledge, you know, $400,000, you know, for those meals, which was, man, like I said, that was pretty cool to see another uh, future Hall of Famer come up and step in and help out, you know. I mean, yeah, you can donate money, and but he was donating to these meals that, you know, a lot of our responders and, you know, especially the people at our, you know, the hospitals and families, they need that. They need it. You know, so. They do need it. And it's, it's special for them to get out there and, and do that for the community and for the people that, that deserve it the most, mm -hmm. you know, they don't have to do that. They don't have to put on these, these events and raise all this money, but they're doing it out of the kindness of their heart. And that really speaks to what type of people they are behind the scenes. Cause we don't always get to see who Tom Brady is behind the scenes, who Peyton Manning is, you know, personally and how they are and what they believe in. But just the gesture alone to raise that much money and donate that much money is super, super awesome. One of those is pretty funny. Brady uh, of uh, Manning is an old Tennessee volunteer, and he took off his uh, club yeah. uh, little guard thing, and he, he had a funniest things whenever old Brady goes, hey, man, he's like, I'm going to step on you. You're not going to be better not. He's like, man, 
Tennessee hasn't been good since you've been there. Which <laughs> is probably around 96, 97, but whatever. Did you hear he wouldn't wear red and black like Woods yeah. because he didn't yeah. want to help the University of yeah. Georgia recruit? Like yeah. he didn't want to represent them in any sort of type of way whatsoever. Yeah. Although that was pretty funny. That and then all, what did he say about the, I mean, I hate saying it, but he said, he says something about the Eagles, how he cringes about the Eagles still and everything. So. Oh, yeah. Hey, so. that's always going to live. Yeah. An infamy so, of being one of those Super Bowls that he'll always like look back on. Yeah, but you know what was cool though, the freaking golf carts. You know, oh yeah, and they were going to auction those off and everything. Like, I mean, if I mean, of course, if if anybody had money, but if I had the money, I would drop a lot of money. How much do you think they were worth? Man, those golf carts were sweet. I mean, I bet they're you know about twenty thirty thousand dollars. You know, yeah, I can go and get one, but to personally try to win one of those would be awesome. Oh, yeah, that would be super cool, especially to have it tied to such a historic event like this. I mean, this is unprecedented. This is something that occurred and went on during a time where we're all suffering. We're all going through this together. And to have something like that connected to an event that raised money to benefit and to help build the research and help the victims of the coronavirus. I mean, that's that's pretty special and cool if you're the lucky recipient to get that that golf cart. I know I'd be holding oh, on man, to it. Oh, man, I'd be holding on, but most importantly, I'd be just be sitting in the garage. Oh, Everybody yeah. stare just at lo- it. Just looking at it, huh? Just stare at it. Just keep moving. Keep moving. You know, so, but, it been, you know, it was great to sit down on Sunday, sit there, watch some golf. You know, I know everybody's like, man, it's boring. Well, watch NASCAR. It's about the same. And so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's, no, it's, it's exciting, man. There's exciting points. You just got to wait The on thing them. about golf is people – no matter what age you are, you can go out there and you can give it a shot. You can try. Yeah, we're going to try to take your James out next week and try to golf. But right. And, you know, I've been to I'm the par scared. three. I've been to a few other golf courses, but we'll just, by no means am I good at all. I'm just going to sit there and give him a thumbs up. <laughs> hey, man, you're doing great. You're doing great. Keep it up, dude. Well, no, but nah, I'll be. We need a new hobby together. I mean, that, that's something we can start and try to do. Yeah. It'd be fun. I like, I like that. But, you know, here's the thing, man. I know that we, we got the golf thing, you know, and the big new right right now one of the biggest thing is MLB. Um they're trying to get back, you know, back into the the groove of things and try to maybe try to get a hopefully a July start. That's where they're really, really pushing to. Right. But you know, at the same time, I know MLB is having to do what they have to do, cut you know, they're gonna have to cut salaries. They have to. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to maybe break even and they're gonna lose money. No matter what, right. but they're going to do it for the not only for the baseball player, but they're doing it for the fans. <laughs> but you know, when they keep talking about salaries, you keep hearing about major league players like, "Oh, I'm not going to play." Well, I'm not going to play. They're cutting my salary. They're cutting my salary. This last week, man, the legend, the legend, the legend, right? And man, best switch hitter, best shortstop, third baseman. I mean, oh yeah, to play the game. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> oh, Chipper Jones, man. He's a member of the 95 oh, World Series championship. So honest. Eight-time All-Star. Yeah. Won the 1999 National League Most Valuable Player of the Year. We're talking about greatness here. Yeah. 303 career batting average, 468 home runs. Just, I mean, man, just putting these All-Star, I mean, Hall of Fame, everything, man. This guy is just, he's like I man. said, he's he the is man. the man. He is the man. I've always loved Chipper. That's why I watched uh, Brave Baseball. Whenever yeah, it was especially on the, in the 90s, they were so good. Oh, man. Whenever the TBS, man, they had every baseball game on, man. That was 
And I would sit there and watch. I'd sit and watch. How about half of them? Right. Because they had Chipper. You know, and that while well, they had Andrew Jones, they had a lot of. It was hard to ignore. Dramatics. They had, they had exactly. some great, great players, but Chipper Jones jumps off right now because here's the thing: well, all these players are sitting here whining, complaining about their salaries. Chipper Jones. Here's a quote that Chipper Jones says: "The 30 million people in America that are out of work right now don't want to hear about millionaire baseball players bitching because they're only going to get 25." Or 30% of their salary this year. They don't want to hear that. You know, and whenever Chipper Jones says it, I mean, we know, man, baseball, America is built on baseball. The most historic game there is. We've got players, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. I mean, all these players are larger than life to me. I grew up a huge baseball player, huge baseball fan. And to me, baseball is my first love. These players, they're going through a rough time, but you know what? 25 to 30% of their salary being cut is not that big of a deal to them. No. Especially when we're over here, we're, we're, we're being laid off, we're being furloughed. We don't have the means to support our families. And we're being, you know, hours cut. Well, okay, so if, if I was a player and I'm earning $10 million, okay? Right. $10 million that year. And I said, hey, you're going to lose 25% of that. I'm losing $2.5 million. That ain't nothing compared that to what they're no, going to get exactly. in, in, in a lump sum, you know? If I'm making 20 million, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's like, dude, you are gonna, you're going to be fine. Oh, yeah. You're going to be fine. And I, I'm siding with Chipper on this, yeah. and I know oh. you are too. Oh, heck yeah, man. I mean, because it, it's total BS that players, you know, are, are bitching about that and, and not satisfied with the fact that they're going to have 25% maybe 30% of their salaries cut. It's not that big of a deal, dude. You're, you're, you're making millions every year. Exactly. And, you know, Chipper, here's the thing. Chipper stayed on the land. And who knows how many cuts or big money or cut. I mean, we don't know. I mean, Atlanta took care of him, but he took care of Atlanta, you know. And I know he, he, he has the right to say that. He does. He has the right to say, hey, man, we got all these people here in America, you know, struggling. We're struggling. They're struggling. Don't know where they're going to. Hell, some of them are going to know where they're going to sleep tonight. They don't know where they're going to eat tonight. And you're going to say you're going to take $2.5 million for my $10 million that I already have a great house. And he was. And all this. Yeah, I mean, he was mainly. I mean, he was he was talking to Snell and, and Harper about this. His words of uh, of emphasis on you know, how he felt. I those, got strong, those guys are just from a different time. I got a strong, I mean, I got strong words about Bryce Harper. I mean, yeah, it could go, I could go off on him. He's a punk. Yes. He he's a, he's a punk ass kid, man. And like I said, man, I, uh, you might be, uh, don't get me wrong. You can crush the ball. That's cool and everything. But man, where are your morals at on this? You know, exactly. Keep that's, your mouth shut. You're getting endorsement deals. Not only are you getting money to play baseball, you're getting money to be associated with baseball. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me why he would have the audacity to come out and, and complain about it. Because, look, he's not the only one that's having to deal with this. No, no, he's not. He's not the only I mean, there's so many people that are struggling. It makes the, the MLB look bad with yeah, those comments, you know? Exactly. Because here's the thing. Any, any knows the, the, I mean, and I hate saying it. If you go to the Dominican Republic, they're a very, very poor country. And you got people, you got kids, you have teenagers, you got young adults, even older people that are fighting 
to get on a spot exactly. anywhere in the MLB. Trying to just get noticed. Just so they can make a little money for their family. That's it. Oh, they'd be happy with 100000 well, I'd be sure. happy with Hell, they'll take 80000 they'll, they'll take fifty. you would be like, okay, that's the part of the game. I don't, I mean, and I'm, like I said, I know that if I said if, if you could make a hundred mil to make other than ten mil, what would you do? Well, yeah, everybody wants to make a hundred mil. It's just a lot of times but, these players have these egos that just yeah. swell and swell and swell, and it gets to the point where it's not realistic to the reality that we all but, live in, and it's not relatable. And they just make dumb comments like this from time to well, time. Well, whenever they're living that stupid life, you know, they're sitting out, going out, doing buying these stupid things. I mean, that's the reason why they need that money, and it's it's. Like I said, selfish, very, very selfish of them, you know, and I hope, you know, like I said, hopefully, you know, whenever that first game comes along, Bryce Harper sitting there, maybe he'll get a good, uh, some chin music, right? You know, he should, he, de- <laughs> he deserves to get some chin music. He deserves yeah. to get, you know, thrown at, but the dude's 27 years old. He should know better. He's got to know, man, you got to keep your mouth shut. You can't be one of those guys that just oversteps the boundaries with your comments and with your ego, you just got to check yourself, you know? Oh yeah. So and that's why I'm at this point, you know, like I said, I'm glad Chipper said it. And I hope, like I said, I hope, I'm, yeah, I'm glad one of the, and one I hope the, Chipper, like I said, he stays an advocate for these, for, you know, for anybody that's trying to talk about their salaries. Cause right now they just, man, they just, it's, it's so re- stupid to talk about your salary. It is. You got to keep that behind closed doors and not put it out there in the public for the public to know. And, and it's just like gossiping, whiny little babies. That's what it sounds like. Well, moving on, we got to discuss, man, college and NBA facilities opening. We're going to start with college first. So the NCAA announced last week that schools can open their facilities to players for voluntary workouts beginning on June 1st, which has sprawled a flurry of announcements from schools and conferences that are chomping at the bit to get back in. Well, yeah, in the state of Texas, you know, right now UIL's also said on June 8th that, you know, high schools can go ahead and start having uh, their strength and conditioning workouts, uh, you know, at at the schools. The athletic director at OU, he said, this is a quote from him, as we have planned for the reopening of our facilities, the health of our student athletes and staff has been our top priority. It is a principle that has guided every step of our malicious process at OU. We are fortunate to have one of the most respected team of doctors and athletic trainers in the country. We have looked to them for direction in our preparation and protocols. They're, they're coming up with these systematic approaches to make it safe for players, make it safe for staff members, and I don't see anything wrong with it. I feel like in order to get prepared for a fall season, we've got to get back in there. Facilities have got to reopen, and there's got to be some type of structure and system in place for those facilities to remain in operation. Oh, yeah, and at the same time, we've talked about it, you know, in, in, a, in a couple of last of our podcasts, that athletes have, it doesn't matter what level, have to, it takes, they need at least a month, at least a month, to get back into shape, and that's that's maybe that's being maybe at practice, you know, being able to practice every day, at a hundred percent, you know, being ready for a game. They'll be ready for a game, but they're not going to be at a hundred percent capacity on a game day. No, they won't. And like with the Iowa State thing we talked about earlier, they're going to be at what about forty or fifty percent capacity at their stadium. You know, they're they're sixty thousand seated stadium and they're only going to have 30 to 40,000 people there. 
but they're all going to be spaced out. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with all these other programs. I heard at UT down in Austin, they're going to have, you know, uh, people at the gates checking temperatures. I don't care about those hippies. I don't care I'm about just... them either. <laughs> I guess I'll, I guess I'll, 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 I'll save that for another episode. I'll, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many things that we can do. I mean, hell, I mean, right now, I mean, like I said, we can, I mean, we can sit here and we can speak the honest truth. Like if I was going to a game and I was standing there with a hundred people, I bet at least there's about one or two people on there that are like, yeah, I feel great. I feel great. And uh, and you know, this, this is gonna, it's going to happen. It's a, with the facilities reopening, this, one of two things is going to happen. You know, students are going to arrive on campus. They're going to continue to work out. They're going to be using social distancing practices and everything's going to be fine. Or they're going to get to working out. They're going to get exposed. They're going to start spreading the virus to one another. And it's going to become a bigger, more complex problem. Either way, it's just these these people are professionals, professional coaches, professional medical staff. They're going to have the proper safety procedures in place. I just hope that it doesn't backfire on all the universities and become a epicenter of spreading the disease, the virus even more. You know, and what's scary too, even with players going, you know, with players out there. I don't know. I, I sometimes I think of myself as a mindset. You know, as a junior or senior, you're trying to get you're trying to play your best football of your life. Juniors and seniors, I mean, that's why they keep playing so they can say, hey, man, I'm ready to make this contract. You're about to see something, you know, you're about to see fireworks go off, right? That's a good point. And that's the one thing that's hard, I mean, as a mindset, as a football player, because, I mean, it's say, you know, just say if something did happen, I mean, it's automatically already two weeks, you know, quarantine, and on top of that, if you keep showing symptoms, you're going to be long, and then – that, I mean, I hate saying it, but they don't want to have that in the NFL, too. I mean, it's just, it, it could be a trickle effect. And I, I feel hate- like this is going to be a good trial run to see what's going to happen in the fall. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Big 12, I think, is allowing, allowing student athletes to work out for a couple weeks. This is going to be a good test run to see how it goes, what type of data they can collect with uh, the amount of students that they have working out. And to see if there's any spreading of the disease. And I, and I hope they're doing frequent checks. But, I know they're going to have masks. They're going to have safety procedures put in place. But but here's the thing, okay? And I know we can sit here and talk about, well, you know, college sports, it's going to go on. It's going to go on. But if the universities are not going to let anybody back on, why have college sports? Even as a player, why, who am I playing for? Well, yeah, you're playing for yourself. You're playing for your team, your coach, everything like right. that. But those play—that's you. That's why you show. You want to show these people what you're doing, man. You know, and it's hard. I mean, I can't. I, I mean, the game of football—you—it's hard to play somewhere quiet. Oh yeah, it you is. can do baseball all day. You need you need the fans you can to do, bring out the mm-hmm. best in you as a player, and you play for glory. And when you hear those fans scream and shout, and and the stadium's rocking, man, you want to bring as much glory as you can to your university and to yourself, to your head coach, to your your teammates it's a huge deal to have fans in the stands and you it's going to be it, different this year it's going to be man it's going to be crazy this year and uh you know with with college football going the way it is right now i mean i i question you know i question i question i question like you know is it worth it is it worth it as i sit here and say hope you know everybody wants hope you know and that's a good thing 
And like I said, in the next couple of weeks, you know, they're going to have to really start buckling down on the decisions. And it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be one of those, you know, we're all going to be on our tippy toes. We're going to be at the edge of our seat to see what's going to happen. Right. But, you know, we think about college football in these open environments, NBA's, you know, wants to reopen, you know, and here's the thing about the NBA. They got a little bit more, I would say a little bit more money than they're in talks with Walt Disney company on a single site scenario for a resume play of their season in late July. Okay. So, you know, that's cool. You know, but what happens if I'm the last place team? Do I really want to go play again? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, know, know, you I, never say never, and, uh, and to have a shot is to have a shot. So I don't, I don't see, know. I don't see why not. But I do get your point. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I was, do you I, literally want to put yourself at risk being the lowest seed? You don't have much yeah, of a chance, exactly. But the thing is, there's not going to be fans in the stands. Um, the NBA is also part of the. Talks. You better believe Mark Cuban's going to be there. <laughs> I mean, games would be held at the ESPN Worldwide Sports Complex. It's a massive campus on the Disney property near Orlando. I'm sure they're going to have the teams interact with one another until the game actually starts. And before well, then, they're going to have they're going to have them tested. They're going to have all of the protocols put in place, the sanitation, bumping into each other and and playing and touching the same ball until the actual game. And you know the the ESPN Sports Complex is a 255 acre campus with multiple arenas that could host games simultaneously. Feels like we're back at the AAU tournament again. <laughs> I mean, it, it held the NBA World Championship, the junior NBA World Championship in recent years, and ESPN primarily owned by Disney as one of the NBA's broadcast partners. So it makes sense to have it there. It is. They have the facility to make it happen. I mean, it, they need to continue the season. They need to finish it to determine a champion. I don't like the idea of not having a season that's finished. There's got to be some type of end result enclosure for all the players, all the fans this season. Yeah. I mean, right now, you know, postseason with playing games. Uh, for example, right now, the Portland Trailblazers, they're three and a half games behind the Sacramento Kings and the final Western Conference playoffs. So since Sacramento did not clinch the playoff spot, Portland would be invited to fight for the playoff hopes. Okay. Um, so they're going to add a couple more teams? They're going to try to do like a 16 team. Okay. Well, what's his name? Damian Lillard. Lillard. Damian Lillard expressed his interest in a play-in format. He has even stated that he would not play in a uh, abbreviated regular season, though he would like to make the trip to support his teammates. So in a way, he wants to make sure that they're going there for a good reason. You know, you don't want to just show up and be like, oh, here, let's play. We're done. Let's let's have a, let's 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 throw things around. Let's spice it up a little bit, and let's have like a little little playoff. Yeah. I mean, let's I mean let's just the call player, it. The players have worked hard all every, season. They everybody everybody's at the same level. Everybody's gone through it. Now let's just play it off. Let's just go. Exactly. I mean, I think the plan does make sense. Okay, it's going to be a controlled, centralized environment in order to you know lower the risk of outside infection. So it's going to be organized to the T. I know the NBA well, is going to do whatever they can to make it happen and be safe for everybody. Since y'all worried about LeBron train the other night, you know, I don't <laughs> want to hear anything about LeBron because I want to see him beat. 
You want to see no. him beat? I want to see him go out there and compete again. I want to see him Why in the season where Kobe lost his life trying to honor him and honor the Laker franchise. I want to see him finish this thing out. Okay, I can respect that, kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Now, nah, I'm just joking. I can do, you think, do I think it's actually going to happen? Um, it's a toss-up. I'm about 60-40 at this point. I do think that the Lakers have a great shot to win it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they were, they got on a hot streak right there before the end, before everything got crazy and everything. But, like I said, hopefully, you know, when we talked about college, we talked about college football and NBA, let's just think about the best scenarios for our players, for the coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just, like I said, if we have a good idea, let's try it. If not, Call it as it is, man, and I hate saying that, but we got to, you know. So Right. Some of the drawbacks with this, looking on the other side, um, it's going to require testing for COVID, not just for the players, but for the other NBA and Disney World employees who would be in regular contact with them. So, obviously, anyone testing positive would have to be immediately quarantined. And should the number of positive tests get out of hand, the league would probably be forced to shut down for the second time. So this could snowball into another issue that's larger than what the NBA can handle. And if that happens, it could very well be the end of the season. Because it's not just the coaches. It's not just the players. It's the employees. It's the staff. They're going to be in regular contact with people. They're going to have to get tested too. So a, a mass amount of testing is going to have to happen every single day. And the sheer n- manpower that's going to have to be involved to make that happen is, is mind-boggling. So it, yeah. could, it could be like the college situation. You get these athletes around each other working out, it could snowball into something that's uncontrollable. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, like I said, that's the risk. And we can, like I said, I, I hate talking about the bad. We don't want to talk about the bad, you know. Let's just... But like I said, here in the next couple of weeks, let's go ahead and like I said, we can let's watch our TVs, our Twitters, and everything like that. And we'll try to keep it up to date and see where this is gonna go. Because I mean, like I said, it's just so many, so many things in the air right now. We just like I said, too many ifs. There's you know? there's a lot that's yet to be determined. That's just, but as fans, we want to see the season played out. Don't wouldn't you agree? But. Let's let's go ahead and like I said, we we can go all day about this, but right now, James, man, we need to talk a little bit. What's going on in this panhandle, man? You know, we we've we talk we talk about NBA, we talk about college, we talk about golf and all this other stuff, but we never really take a chance to think about what what's some greatness here in the panhandle that we you know we need to start understanding and remembering. Right. You, you, you say remembering, and that's a big thing because in the Texas Panhandle, there's a lot of times players, people who have come before us go unnoticed because we're from the Panhandle. And, and we're going to really shed light on those Panhandle greats. At the end of every episode, we're going to focus on one individual who's made a huge contribution not only to the Panhandle, but to sports itself. And today, we're going to focus on a Clarendon product who is an absolute legend in my mind. You know, he's in the Panhandle Hall of Fame, Panhandle Sports Hall of Fame. He goes by the name of Kenny King. He's a Clarendon native. Clarendon's about an hour away from here, you know, due, due east from us. And uh, Clarendon, like I said, it's, it's a really small town. You know, only thing really good there is a Greenbelt Lake there. 
some pretty good bass fishing there if you ever want to go out there. Oh, yeah, but, definitely. But Clarendon, I mean, it's a cool little town. It's not too bad. I mean, like I said, you just drive through uh, on your way to, you know, Wichita Falls or Dallas, Fort Worth. Like I said, you got to make a little stop. There's a good trading little trading post uh, gas station there. Oh, yeah, we've all been through Clarendon. Yes. It's, it's one of those towns that they're real friendly. They're real accommodating if you need to stay there. And, you know, going back to Kenny, his senior year at Clarendon, it's, it's pretty crazy that this, this huge superstar came from such a small town. But in 1974, he, he ran for 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. He was one of those runners that was a thoroughbred. He was smooth. He would break tackles easily. And, and he was perfect for the wishbone that Barry Switzer ran at OU. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're running 2,000 yards, is that correct? Yes, sir. I mean, 2,000 yards. Y'all got to understand, that is – freaking hard to do that is very hard to do especially, especially even in high school well, yeah, back, back in the day and there you never know if you were going to play 10 games nine games eight games you know and then on top of that if you're going to the playoffs right so and once he yeah. got once he got to ou he led ou in rushing as a sophomore in 1976 with 839 yards he was alongside heisman trophy winner billy sims but king's role changed his last two years he put up his ego aside and to be more of a blocking back. Fullback. There's right. nothing wrong with being a fullback, you know. And his blocking helped yeah. Sims earn the Heisman Trophy in 1978. And what did he do but, in the NFL? Same thing. He was playing running back, and he went to fullback. That's the thing, man. He, it, the reason why he got to go to the NFL is because he showed his – he'll do anything. And, uh, I mean, to show that, hey, man, you know, I'm not – I'll give you the, you know, the running back. You just follow me. Goes to show a lot of perfect teammate to have. Accomplishments on the field in 1980 for the Raiders. They won the Super Bowl. He gained, you know, 761 yards, caught 22 passes, and was named to the Pro Bowl, which is huge. He became the staple of Super Bowl highlights for the years to come. And then the game against Philly. What happened? Big 80-yard receiving touchdown. And it stood for 16 years as the longest touchdown pass in Super Bowl history. And then you got the old great Brett Favre throw at 81-yard touchdown. I mean, it's okay. I, I would be okay to get beat by Brett Favre. Also with Antonio Freeman. You know, Antonio Freeman, he's a great receiver too with, whenever they were with the Green Bay Packers. Definitely. And the following year, Kenny led Oakland in rushing with 828 yards. The Raiders then drafted Hall of Famer Marcus Allen. Kenny had a, a nice career, you know, with, with the Raiders. And before his career ended, he played in the 1984 Super Bowl, and they eventually they won that one as well. Before l- relieving the Raiders, he totaled more than 2,500 yards rushing in his NFL career. His NFL career ended in 1987 after a year in the Canadian Football League, so he did try to pursue, yeah, you know, another career, career with the Canadian yeah. Football League, which is admirable because – it's hard for a lot of players to just, just stop. keep playing, yeah. you know? But yeah, yeah, you just got to – sometimes it's hard to hang out the helmet and the shoes, shoulder pads, you know? At the end of the day, it's real tough. So it, It's funny but, because played alongside Billy at OU, and, and Billy once said that, and he was like, I'll share my Heisman if you'll share your Super Bowls. <laughs> that's pretty neat. I think that's a pretty good trade-off. Well, man, like I said, I think right there, you know, we, sometimes we got we to gotta remember that here – and the Texas Panhandle, that we do, we have some great, 
great athletes and legends around here that, that they made a great mark not only here in this area, but in sports. We do, and we, we have a lot that we don't talk about enough. And I hope with our podcast we'll be able to bring more conversation and more remembrance to their memory and the production that they left behind, the, the greatness that they left behind, because it, it needs to go recognized. Also, at the same time, man, we got a shout-out from Mike Leach. Right, all man. All-time great. Air Raid, Texas Tech, Washington State, about to take Mississippi State, hopefully somewhere. Oh, other. yeah. They're, <laughs> I saw the preseason rankings I know, uh, man. earlier, and Mississippi State is ranked, I think, 24-25. So, well, they're, they're predicting – They're always up there, man. They're predicting yeah. Leach to, like, make an immediate impact, and I think he will. He's, he's one of the greatest offensive minds exactly. of our generation of all time, and it's going to be exciting to see what he can do with that SEC talent. I mean, like I said, I'll always love Leach. Leach oh, yeah. is my boy. From your tech days, man. You, exactly. He was I your guy. I saw the ups and I saw the downs. And man, like I said, no matter what, I was behind him 100%. And you, I knew, I knew that he just, he had to, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he's doing. He still does. And oh, yeah. From great. Hal Mummy to coaching with Stoops in 1999 at OU, he was the reason Oklahoma made it the next year, the national championship, and won the thing. His mind, his influence and his implementation of that spread offense is what got OU to the promised land in 2000. So I got to give him credit too. I mean, he's a great coach. I love to hear him talk. I love to hear his interviews. He's just one of those guys that's real charismatic. He's funny and he's just off the wall. You got to understand this guy is a lawyer. He's never went to school to go get his coaching degree or anything. He went and got his degree in, in, in law. law wow i didn't know that that's yeah. awesome it's not, so it's not like he sat there and played college football or professional football he he's just one of those masterminds man he is. and i mean like you said you can just sit there and just watch and watch and learn that's, and that's what he did and like i said he's turned he's changed the you know not term but he's changed you know football college football and soon to be nfl you know how a lot of things are going to be running Exactly. So. He's revolutionary, and it was pretty special to get a shout-out from him. So, you know, like I said, you know, Mike Leach, you, uh, thank you for the shout-out. Hopefully you'll listen tonight, and, you know, I guess hopefully this season, you know, goes the way you want it. And like I said, man, hopefully you make – hopefully, and I want you to. I hope you beat LSU, beat Ole Miss, oh, beat yeah. Bama. I mean, you got the hardest conference. I know you do. But, man, you're there. And I've seen you do it before. He's in that hotbed of recruiting down there. You I think got it, man. He's going to get it done. It's just a matter of time. And this is his, I think this is his last stop as a head coach. And hopefully he'll go out with a huge bang. I don't know, man. I honestly, I don't know. I think, I think how, you know, where the NFL is going, I think somebody in the NFL is going to be calling him. You might be right. You might be right. But in college football, I think this is his last stop. But, but I, I mean, could be wrong. I think, I think the only thing that he doesn't like, he doesn't like to put up with the prima donnas. Exactly. And that's, you know, and that's why I, I probably never want to go. He to may the, fit better in the NFL with his type of personality and the demands that he wants out of his athletes because he's a little bit restricted being a college coach. But yeah. who knows? Well, so, guys, we'll come to the end. Yes. You know, it was good. I liked it tonight. We had some pretty good stuff. You know, if you're ever out there on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, hit us up, man. We're on uh, Bomb City Locker Room Talk, you know. And hit up our email, too, bombcity.lockerroomtalk at gmail.com. 
You know, guys, we we would appreciate a lot of the you know feedback. I know we've gotten feedback from you know from friends and family, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know maybe a stranger too. That'd be great to have every once in a while. Yeah, and like I said, you know, we're still getting into the process of uh, finding grooves and exactly. This is only the beginning, and we're gonna continue to keep trucking and, and get better. Definitely. But like I said, you know, like I told you earlier in the podcast, make sure this next week, you know, the next couple of weeks, make sure you're, you're checking everything. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, ESPN, Bleacher Report. Because like I said, these next couple of weeks are crucial about what's going to happen with right. all gonna, sports. We're going to do our best to keep you up to date on the important things that are happening out there for you sports fans. Um, we, we just – we really feel like it's our obligation to to push it out to you guys and, and let you know and keep you informed. So I appreciate y'all. You know, like I said, you know, me and James have a good time here. You know, had some couple beers and uh, like I said, man, y'all y'all give us a shout. You know, all our social media, give us a shout. Definitely. Thanks for listening to Bomb City Locker Room Talk and tuning in to Locker Room Hype. I'm Aaron Pena. And I'm James Fairchild. See you next time.